What's up, everybody? Are you tuning in to the Challenge USA on CBS? Well, tune in to me, Tyson Apostle, as I break down each and every episode with my co-host, Amelia Wedemeyer. I'm also a contestant on the show, which gives you all the insider scoop. Amelia, how stoked are you to do this? Tyson, I'm freaking excited. I cannot wait to sit my butt down every single week to watch the show, then come here and recap it with you on the Ringer Reality TV podcast. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Fantasy Football Show. My name is Danny Heifetz and I am joined by Danny Kelly and Craig Korolbeck. Today we are doing the lessons we learned from last season and then immediately forgot once the season ended. But luckily we tattooed those lessons on our bodies like Memento and made ourselves a human to-do list so we wouldn't forget. So we're going to go through our tattoos. I don't know. We'll explain it later. It's the lesson it's, Here's we the deal. It's easy to forget like the biggest pitfalls that you made last season. It's easy to just get right back on your bullshit essentially every year in every draft. So exactly. we're, so we're trying gonna, to remind ourselves, since we're having amnesia, we constantly have amnesia. We're trying to remind ourselves, like, here's the things. Just don't do it. If we really committed to the to the bit, we would play this podcast backwards. We would record it from the end to the start, but <laughs> we're not going that far. Could we? It sounds like a lot of work for you. Yeah. Uh, maybe one day. Once we get a little more people on the, on the Ringer Fantasy Football Show staff, maybe we can get that going. Okay. <laughs> well, until then, we're going to do Memento, but first, news. We could do the news out of order. Not really. That seems so, it's hard to follow. I'm doing a Westworld pod too. It's it's enough. I have enough of that. Too many timelines. Too many timelines. Okay. Actual timeline. And it's funny that this happened in our real timeline. Ian Rappaport, NFL Network reports that Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins may not be ready for week one because J.K. Dobbins tore his ACL last August. So Rappaport says the recovery not going, maybe not, might not play week one J.K. Dobbins. J.K. Dobbins then quote tweets Ian Rappaport Love and it. said, and I quote, I'm tired of being quiet. Come to me for your source at rap sheet. I might not even go on the physically unable to perform list because that's how good my rehab is going. And I'm damn sure going to be ready for week one. And then he kind of went on a rant like Lamar did last week. I will not read all the tweets, but the one that was my favorite was J.K. Dobbins saying this. I would post videos. I assume he means of him working out. I would post videos, but I want y'all, all you fake ass doctors and people who have never spoken a word to me to see what me and Jesus been up to on the biggest stage. (laughs) I like this. Hell yeah. Ultimate duo, JK and Jesus. Chip on shoulder. I, I want to like attend a Ravens press conference this summer so I can say, hey, JK, um, Danny Heifetz, I'm a fake ass doctor. I was wondering what you and Jesus have been up to on the biggest stage. 
He'll tell you specifically. I'm such a fan of this. You know what, JK? I will come to you for injury updates. I hope all players allow this. I'd love to be able to just text Kim Akers and be like, what's up with your Achilles? Fake ass doctors is a great term. I know that like it comes with the money and the fame and stuff, but it must be really weird to be like a person and like random people are just talking about your knees. I just love <laughs> speculation of of running back injuries. It's like July 15th and it's like JK Dobbins might not be ready for week one if that's in like two months. And I love that he's just like, I'm sick of this. <laughs> also, <laughs> like, Ra- Ian Rappaport, the reporter was on, he was on Pat McAfee's show live when J.K. Dobbins tweeted this. So Pat McAfee like read the tweets yeah. back and he Rappaport was just like deer in the headlights. Well, if you listen to what Rapsheet actually said, he was sort of just generalizing. I, when I when I listened to the quote, I was like, he didn't really say anything like conclusive. He was like, yeah, there's a chance that he'd not be ready for week one. <laughs> exactly. It's like the most generic thing. Like, and it's true, there is a chance he might not be ready for week What's one. What's the point of saying that though? That's such a that's such a limp report. What is the point of that? Buddy, have you seen some of the reports out there? <laughs> they gotta you gotta create content. I guess. <laughs> well, the irony of this is if J.K. Dobbins misses week one. Now he can't. Well, oh, no, God. now he cannot. Yeah, this, now he's painted himself into a corner. This is tough. It's like when RG3 did the all-in for week one and like oh, March after he tore his ACL. Was, yeah. Let's not do this. Did you? Bottom line, though, did you guys, are you guys moving J.K. Dobbins down? You keeping him where you had him originally? What are you thinking? I'm so glad you asked, T.K., because if J.K. Dobbins were to miss time, the obvious person who's behind J.K. Dobbins in Baltimore is Gus Edwards, except Gus Edwards also tore his ACL. Oh, like no. right after I J.K. Know Dobbins exactly did. I know where this is going. So I he's not like the week one. So I'm just saying, if in theory, perhaps if J.K. Dobbins nor Gus Edwards are ready for week one, oh, I'm God. just saying the starting running back for the Ravens in week one would be none other than Mr. Mike Davis. Boo! I'm <laughs> the crowd jeers at you. This is tough, Heifetz. I should see if I feel like if I tweeted that Mike Davis could quote tweet me and be like, "Yeah, Danny Heifetz, a real ass doctor." Hi, Fitz. Is Mike Davis on your top 200 rankings? Well, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I kind of feel like he has to be now, like, with the Jake. If Jake Adams isn't ready, and then Gus Edwards is also recovering from an ACL, I feel like we have to put him in the Mike Davis in the top 200 now, right? Probably. They also have Tyler Beatty, a rookie. Not that he's necessarily going to get the job, but, you know. I don't know if, even if both of those guys are out, you're still drafting him very late. Yeah, I'm not actually recommending take Mike Davis. It's mostly okay. for the bit. It's just, it, we have to, look, it, like all these stories we're going to go through, it's you just, these are things we will be keeping tabs on in training camp. And obviously now J.K. Dobbins, when he sees some real ass doctors, we will see. Um, other news, Leonard Fournette, Bucks running back, um, even heavier than we thought. He showed, I'm not going to lie. I thought this was overblown. He showed up to training camp and there was like one photo that went viral and DK thought it was so funny that he looked fat his jersey was very tight i was mostly mad at the the equipment manager who didn't get him a bigger jersey because that's just asking for these types of news stories yeah you know everybody knows this when you when you buy a new shirt you can't dry it it'll shrink you see those ads for like the t-shirts that are supposed to make like dad bod guys look good in t-shirts oh yeah i do see those yeah, no, I don't get any of those they in my Instagram start, feed. They should start making dad bod jerseys. Dad I have no idea. jerseys. That's be awesome. I personally have never gotten one of those ads for those t-shirts in my Instagram all the time. I, can't, I don't even know what you're They're cut real about. loose around the, the midsection, but tight on the arms. So it looks like you're fit. Yeah. In real life, you look like Chris Pratt from Parks and Rec, but the shirt makes you look like Chris Pratt from Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> from the terminal list. Have you seen that, by the way? No. It's kind of, yeah. Okay. I wouldn't know. I've never got, I've never seen those ads. No idea what you're talking about. Okay. 
so it turns out that Lenny was in fact fat, and you were right, DK, because I didn't even know if we wanted to talk about it. But you were correct. Rick Strad from the Tampa Bay Times won his podcast this week and said, the last time we saw Leonard Fournette, he was a donut shy of 260, which nice. is notable <laughs> because Lenny's, that's like 30 pounds over Lenny's like playing weight. That's a lot. So a donut shy, I can't decide if it's mean or not, because I feel like body shaming and ev- anything other than like athletes before camp is kind of out. Other, although, wait, so I think the interesting thing is Rick Stroud said, who's a good reporter for the Tampa Bay Times, coaches were not happy. That's an understatement when Lenny didn't participate in the OTAs. But then he shows up at mandatory minicamp weighing damn near 260. That's not a good sign for a guy that you just spent a three-year contract on. Does this concern you at all, DK, about Leonard Fournette? as a top 20 pick, top 10, 12 running back. I would be lying if I said there's a seed of doubt that's been planted I, all I'm saying, like, typically these stories are, like, non-issues. I think at the end of the day, Fournette's still going to be the starter. He's still going to get a lot of carries, blah, blah, blah. It's still going to be mostly his show. But, man, losing, like, 30 pounds, 20, 30 pounds in a matter of, like, a month and a half, that's that's kind of, a, like, that's asking for a lot. I don't know if he's going to do it. Like, can you do that? Do you think he's going to be able to do it? Or am I, like, thinking, I don't know, these are professional athletes. Maybe they can do that pretty easily. Where do we? Who, who said this two sixty number? Rick Stroud, Tampa yeah. Bay Times. Yeah. Where did he get that number? You think? You think that's accurate? The coaches, maybe, or one of the. I, I'm not buying I it. Imagine he's. <laughs> I I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that he probably has. He probably didn't like guess. I, I imagine that he probably spoke to someone on staff. I don't know. When I hear a donut shy of two sixty, this doesn't worry me. When is when is somebody being too fat ever actually affected? their career and they were already like a presumed starter. There's the Eddie Lacy thing, but like he did fine after he got You're right. It kind of helped Ben Roethlisberger keep another 10 years in his career. <laughs> like when has this ever really been a problem where it was like, man, remember that time that he was just too fat and his career ended? Well, I think, I think that the argument is uh, two or threefold in that one, the coaches are mad at you and yeah. you are, you might like lose playing time too. You might literally be winded. Like you might not actually be able to be in as often because you're playing yourself into shape as opposed to like showing up in shape. And then obviously you are probably more likely to get hurt if you're playing yourself into shape and trying to eventually go full speed. So it's like if Lenny, it's like not a big deal, but if Lenny Fournette like pulls his hamstring in the first week of training camp, you know, we're all going to look around. Oh, yeah, exactly. This so, I think that's actually the most legitimate uh, worry here is that as he's trying to work himself back into shape, this is making this could make him more prone to like pulling out soft tissue or something like that. And then he like has a setback, falls behind on schedule in terms of the losing weight. He can't run, he can't jump, he can't lift, blah blah blah. And all of a sudden, he heads into the season and he hasn't lost all this weight. So that is, I think, the legitimate worry. But overall. I'm still, I'm not like moving him down a lot, but I'm, I'm like maybe a couple spots in, in so, the ranks. I think Let he's it, probably fine if we're being honest. He's a professional running back. He probably knows what it takes to get in shape. I think the practical impact is the Bucks will probably keep four running backs and keep Gio Bernard on the roster because they might have cut him. Fournette tweeted 30 minutes ago. Do you know what he said? What did he say? All fake ass doctors out here. He said they wouldn't have the same energy in your face. So why entertain them? See y'all September 11th. He's correct on that. No one would call him fat to his face. That's so true. I would not be picking a fight with him. Especially not him now. Ooh. All right. So would you rather have Leonard Fournette or Saquon this year? Saquon. I would also pick Saquon. But you I think they're to close. think about it. They're pretty close. I've got I've got Fournette slightly higher. I still think in that Tampa Bay offense 
And assuming he gets all that volume, my, my God, he could go absolutely bananas. So yeah, I got Fournette a little bit higher. Yeah, another another word that's been thrown around this offseason was that Fournette had clairvoyance with Tom Brady and basically that no matter what you want to say, it's like Tom Brady, I mean, there's the rookie Rashad White for the Bucks to have. They have Keyshawn Vaughn and have Gio Bernard, but realistically, Fournette knows what Brady wants and that's kind of all, that's like the main job right. qualification. So is, I think Brady, still, is Brady pissed at him? Because that's really what matters. Uh, that's a great question and we should figure that out immediately. Brady, the guy who runs TV12, it I mean, it's realistic he could be mad at him for letting himself go. He probably could. All right, so we'll check in. It's probably nothing, but we'll, we'll we'll check in and just make sure that Lenny's still in, on pace to get a lot of work for Tampa Bay, but I'm not concerned about it too much. Mm. But eh, it's there. Okay. All right, you guys want to get into our little tattoo section here? Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. So we're going to do... These are our tattoos that we tattooed on ourselves from 2021 because every year there's these lessons you learn and then we forget because we're not smart people. And so we tattoo, like if you've ever seen Memento, the guy is amnesia, so he tattoos things on himself to remember. And so we have done the same thing. We have tattooed these reminders on them. We don't really know what they mean, though, because we didn't like remember why we got them. We're just going to go through these tattoos we have, and we're going to see if we figure out what they mean and how we should apply them. Is the plot to Memento, he, he essentially loses all his memory after sleeping, so every time he wakes up, he has to try and figure out what the fuck's going on? No, no, he has short-term memory loss. So like every... Basically, once X his mind starts minutes. to wane, it snaps mm. out. Yeah. Got it. So it's not like 50 first dates. Quite. No. He ba basically, no. like, certain okay. sounds, like a door shutting will, like, make him lose his memory. It's kind of things oh, like weird. that. I think, okay. I'm sure there's some, like, exact medical condition he has, but it's some form of, like, short-term amnesia. Got it. Like us, we also have a form <laughs> of short-term amnesia. <laughs> Every time I hear the, the timer on the fantasy draft, I lose my memory. And I got to figure it out quickly. This is the thing. It's a real thing. Just like I wanted Brandon. Why do I have? Why did someone tell me to do Brandon Cooks? That can't be right. There's yeah. no way I remember that correctly. Not with this clock. Okay. Uh, who do we want to go here first? What's the little vulnerable exercise? We're going to, you know, I don't know if you guys got a tat like I do. Just right, you know, right across my bare ass. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I popped off my shirt this summer under the summer sun, going to enjoy my day. And I look down and right across my chest, it just says, take Derrick Henry. <laughs> Like old English writing. <laughs> and I'm, you know, I wonder when I tattooed this on myself because it must have been like week six or something like that when he was just tearing the cover off the ball because I'm very <laughs> conflicted right now because what I do every year and what I was planning on doing this year was I was going to predict that this is the year Derrick Henry falls off and then an injury is going to happen because it did happen last year, right? I mean, the first eight weeks of the season, he was going insane. He was getting literally almost 30 touches a game. And was having, you know, the best year of his career. <laughs> but now, I don't know what to do, boys. I'm split because <laughs> I was I was very excited to to be fully on the like Derrick Henry is washed bandwagon. He's he's going to be 29 at the end of this year. He's got the foot injury. They lost AJ Brown. The Titans are going to be worse. They're going to be losing more. Uh, it's all coming together. All of his stats are declining. His yards per carry, missed tackles, explosive plays, blah, blah, blah. They're all getting worse. But perhaps the tattoo is what... <laughs> Listen, it worked for Guy Pierce in Memento. Mm. Did it? 
I don't know what to do, boys. What, you got to follow. You got to follow the tattoo. I think that's like the rule here. Yes, but the problem is, is I think I tattooed this on myself in the first eight weeks of the season. This Derrick Henry injury in week nine really threw a wrench in a lot of like the Derrick Henry discussion, the discourse, because yeah. it's kind of everything we've always been talking about. And it actually finally happened, but now that it happened so early, where he actually came back and played in a playoff game, not very well. But like, because he's already back and healthy, I feel like we're in this weird spot where he's not a, a you know, a guy like a J.K. Dobbins who's like, will he, won't he play week one? Like Derrick Henry's going to be out there and healthy. There's nobody else in the team and it's the same situation. But I'm split. I, I still, to be honest, I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to listen to the tattoo. I, 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 could, I, I, this is the strangest and most extreme situation I can remember with Derrick Henry and McCaffrey this year. Derrick Henry... I mean, he was on pace for 465 carries last year. Not touches. 465 carries. Like, literally, it was the most carries any player has ever had through eight weeks of football. And I mean, we're in this era where that doesn't even happen anymore. Not only that, he finished, he only played eight games. There's 17 games in a season. He played eight, less than half. He still finished 15th. In total touches. <laughs> See, this is where. So I think That's so incredible. The the Derrick Henry thing is a lot of people seem to be focused on this idea that running backs fall off a cliff. Uh, the you know the age, the apex or whatever. He's like past the age apex for running backs. Like and and when the cliff comes, like a lot of these guys fall off really quickly. It's like not just a gradual thing. All of a sudden they're toast, they're washed, whatever. I think. That ignores how much of an outlier Derrick Henry is as like a player, as an athlete, his size, everything he's done to this point in his career. The the foot injuries is certainly like a concern, but I think there's injuries are a concern with every running back. And I think you have to bet. You have to bet on the upside that Henry can bring. You have to bet on the volume potential that he can bring. And so while this is a bit of a risk, I'm following this tattoo. Craig, I'm reading your tattoo. It's like... You know, I don't remember. Did you write it backwards so you can like read it in the mirror? Or are you like looking down? Like how's how's the writing look to you? I wasn't smart enough to tattoo it backwards. I was, I was <laughs> like, no. I was. In you a know panic. how you can like read ambulance in the rearview mirror, and it's like, you know, it's written so you can read it in the rearview. Oh, this is, I didn't know that. That makes wow. I know. Yeah, now I I do know that. That's I didn't pretty, know that. Before. I'm actually not 100 percent sure that's true. Maybe I just made that up. But. Um, <laughs> Well, that's a good but idea. Anyway, so bottom line, I'm I'm reading your tattoo and I'm I'm following it because and I actually moved him up, I believe, in my last rankings update, which will be coming out very soon here. Um, I don't know. I'm just betting on the volume, especially in an offense here where there's like not a lot of tar- like competition for touches. Like they're going to be feeding him, I think, even stronger well, than they had in the past. I I I hear what you're saying, DK, but I just I just am not like intellectually I understand it's like bet against Derrick Henry you're stupid he's good what are you doing the Craig tattoo it's like he's gonna get all these touches why are you overthinking this the thing I keep coming back to is one he's the oldest running back really like left in the among these elite guys he's 28 it's been like five years since the 28 year old guy was even a top five running back I know Derrick Henry's Derrick Henry that shouldn't matter as much but Bill Barnwell wrote a really good column for ESPN earlier this year that basically said Derrick Henry was not really the same runner last year. Like he, Derrick Henry, is it like the same as every other running back, right? He's not making people miss in every play. He's getting these two, three, four yard carries. And then because he kind of runs at a different kind of way than everyone, he just breaks off these 70, 80 yard runs. He breaks off these 30, 40 yard chunk plays. Honestly, kind of like what I would say about Saquon with a three true outcome guy. It's like zero, two, two, four. 
80-yard touchdown. Yeah. And basically, the big plays for Derrick Henry went away. Like, Derrick Henry went from having half of the 200-yard games, mostly because he has, like, half of the 50, 60-yard rushes. But then, the, like, the home runs went away. He does not need the 40, the 50-yarders anymore. Like, that gear, the Derrick Henry gear, where he's the biggest player, but then suddenly he's the fastest, really was even before this foot injury wasn't there as often. I think that's really concerning. And I also think because the only way that his numbers had kept up, even though he lost that gear, was he was getting the biggest workload in NFL history. My concern is the Titans probably aren't going to give him that again. I feel like they might not because it's so obvious. And also, I don't think that the flip side is, I don't think defenses are going to have to really respect Tennessee's passing game with AJ. I mean, with AJ Brown gone, they've got, you know, Traylon Burks. They got Robert Woods. Like, I mean, who's their number one tight end? Like Austin Hooper. Like this Mm -hmm. isn't a very scary group and so i just feel like they're like oh yeah run derrick henry into us like three times and then punt i i, I i'm I really I feel concerned like about it defensive defenses have already been doing that for like henry's entire career yeah i just feel like he's not I, I feel like the basically what i'm saying is the amount of carries he got last year masked that on a per carry basis he really wasn't that guy anymore and then he broke his foot on a stress injury so, i yeah that's i think that's a valid concern um i think the volume thing it's going to be very interesting because I think at the end of the day, the Titans I think are going he's to be gonna get in a situation, volume. yeah, where they're going to be like, okay, we're giving, we're just going to give it to Derrick Henry because we we like have so much pressure to win. We we're in there, like they're going to give the ball to like Dontrell Hilliard, like rookie Hassan Haskins, like whoever is these backup guys. Like they're not going to feel confident about that. And like the big part of what their offense makes their offense work is those explosive plays from Henry. Um, it's probably true that he's like slightly regressed in terms of his peak athleticism, peak speed, or whatever. But I might chalk that up more to just like variance. Like those big plays, those are a high variance play anyway. Yeah, um, but I mean, his yards per carry went from like five point one. Then he had five point four last year. It was four point three. His explosive plays fourteen percent to nine percent. Missed tackles are going down. You know, he's getting older. It like he, he's not like even if he gets three hundred carries. I wonder what those 300 carries look like and if he can get through the season. That's That, I guess, is my my worry. I think Vrabel is going to pound the rock again. I just don't think they're going to be good carries. This is like a theme of this year. It, it's, it's the difference between, well, all running backs get hurt versus, yeah, but like, what if this historic workload is going to take a toll on the person doing the historic workload? And I the only thing that would make me feel dumber than betting on Derrick Henry or sorry, the not betting on him again and him being Derrick Henry again is finally going in on Derrick Henry and then him being like, oh yeah, he's just not the same. That's okay. What a legendary career Hall of Fame golf clap like Albert Poulos at the Home Run Derby last night. It's like, yeah, you know what I mean? I, I just He got to the semis. Oh my God. He, they, they rigged that shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I love how this exercise, we just immediately betrayed it. Like my tattoo says, take Derrick Henry. And we're like, eh, oh no. Craig's like, oh, ah! I don't know. That, maybe it's just like a guideline. How stupid are we? It's not why actually we, a rule. Why don't we just listen? Yeah, it's more like guidelines. Craig, what else did you have written on your body, speaking of? Yeah, so just down my rib cage, I had <laughs> first round running backs will betray you. <laughs> is it a little is it a little like clearer and sharper and darker than the take Derrick Henry one? Like you got a little later? Yeah, perhaps? It's, it's it's definitely thinner, a bit sloppier, a little chicken scratched. Um <laughs> feels like it came around like week 14, 15. Um this one. You know, I, I can get behind. You know, I, I looked at the... Uh, here are the running backs that were taken in the first round last year. 
And here's some, and I'm going to say how many games they missed. They missed after each one. McCaffrey, 10 games. Dalvin Cook, four games. Derrick Henry, nine games. Kamara, four games. Zeke, somehow zero. Nick Chubb, three games. Aaron Jones, two games. Jonathan Taylor, zero games. Saquon Barkley, four games. Only three of those guys finished in the top 10 at the position. Shocker, two of them were Zeke and just uh, Jonathan Taylor because they missed zero games. And Zeke limped his way through the entire season. Mm -hmm. Now, if you move to wide receiver and you look at their wide receivers taken in the first two rounds, here they are in the games they missed. Devontae Adams, one. Tyree Kill, none. Diggs, none. DeAndre Hopkins hurt his knee. He missed seven games. DK Metcalf, zero. Justin Jefferson, zero. Mm. Four of those guys finished in the top seven. The only ones that didn't were DeAndre Hopkins because he got hurt and DK Metcalf because Russell Wilson hurt his finger. So I just think running back's really deep this year, weirdly. And mm. just the variance, the, the injury likelihood of running back first wide receiver is not worth the price to me. And you can make the argument like, well, hey, Craig, the other wide receivers in that top seven group were Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, and Jamar Chase. Those guys are taking like third, fourth round. Why wouldn't you wait? My argument is take both. Take Justin Jefferson in the first and then take the guy you think is going to be Jamar Chase this year. We did an episode on that. Take my, take Justin Jefferson as your fifth pick and then take Michael Pittman or Jalen Waddell or whoever the hell you think it's going to be because there are a lot of good other running backs in, in the second and third rounds. Here are guys going in the 10 to 30 range at running back. You can get Joe Mixon, Nick Chubb, DeAndre Swift, who I like a lot. Aaron Jones with no Devontae Adams. You can get Saquon's bounce back, Fournette, David Montgomery. Like, you can get all those guys for way cheaper. Connor. Connor yeah. for somebody like, you know, I don't know, Zeke or Nick Chubb or, 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 or Kamara. Not Nick Chubb, but like, uh, you know, your, your Dalvin Cooks, your Derrick Henrys. Um, to me, the, the, the first round running back allure is no longer as sexy to me anymore. I mean, I, I can't, it's hard to argue with that, honestly. And and I, part of me is like, well, you have to just take a risk. You have to just take a gamble and take one of these elite running backs or whatever, because that's how you win in fantasy. And you just hope you land the right one. Um, my point is that the ceiling that's of true, these first-run yeah. running backs is almost the same as the seat. Like, do, I think DeAndre Swift's ceiling is like the same as Austin Eckler's. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, so I don't Craig, think they're that different. You're in luck. Um, Tristan Cockroft at ESPN is a really good um, analyst. I actually looked into this uh, earlier this month, and I was I was reading this piece he wrote, and I was a couple of the findings were stunning, in part because of how much it matched that gut feeling. I don't know how to explain this stat in a way that isn't confusing, so bear with me. <laughs> but basically, what he did, but, well, his overall finding was this: if you like the, the thing we always say is the first round you can't win your draft, you can lose it. Basically, what he's saying: if you want to go for ceiling in your first round, you probably want a running back. If you want to go for ceiling. You want a Derrick Henry and McCaffrey, those guys win. If you want to go for like the floor safety, you should really just take a receiver. That was his point. But the numbers he came up with, basically he looked at how many, the last 10 years, how many, what you just did actually, Crick, how many games a, the players missed. And he looked at the top five players and he, and he just added up how many players, you know, did the top five last year miss? And then how many in the top 20 missed? And how many, oh, sorry, in 2020, 2019. And then he did that for every rolling group of five, like one to five, six to 10. And he basically said, okay, over the last 10 years, which group of five, you know, has missed the most games? And it was one to five. The top five players have missed the most games or in the first like 70 picks. And hmm. it's, you know what I mean? Basically saying the running backs you take in the top five are actually the most likely to miss games really in the first six or seven rounds. Is that because of volume? Uh, well, Probably. exactly, right? You think yeah. it's common sense, right? Because the guys we're yeah. taking in the top five are running backs who not only do we expect to get near league leading 
touches with the ball, but have done it enough in the past that we trust them to do it again. And so the guys getting the ball the most are getting hurt. It's not rocket science. Right. But it, it was interesting to see it like proven that actually those guys are the most likely to get hurt. It's not a recency thing. It's not just like your gut feeling. So I think it's I think that the practically for 2022, the question is, are you doubting Jonathan Taylor at number one? Are you thinking about putting Justin Jefferson a cup number two? Like, where do you take receivers? I think then becomes the interesting question. Like, who's worth it and who's not? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I, I think Taylor is still the number one guy. And I think McCaffrey and Najee Harris if you, are, are probably, in my opinion, like have the three highest ceilings in the league. Uh, but after that, like Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Jamar Chase, Diggs, CeeDee Lamb, Devontae Adams, like I'm fine if you want to get one of those in the first round. I mean, if you look at ADP right now, average draft position, you can get Alvin Kamara, Aaron Jones, or Saquon Barkley in the second round. Like those mm -hmm. are guys that two years ago are just like the fourth pick in the draft. They just like got hurt. Like the talent's not worse. Aaron Jones is in the exact same position. Kamara is going to have a way better situation than he did last year. And Saquon's arguably in the best position of his career. Like you can get all those guys in the second round and not spend $78 in your auction draft for Derrick Henry. I agree. And I think that the other part of the draft this year that's interesting, I know that once you get into who could get hurt, it's like anything happens. But basically, if this a if this group of running backs kind of ages out and it's like basically unless Christian McCaffrey defies the history at the position, he like like he has to defy the history to go from being an elite running back to missing basically like the better part of two years to coming back to being an elite fantasy running back really hasn't happened for that long. And Derrick Henry kind of having to defy history to take this historic workload and come back. But if those guys don't defy history and they just kind of age out like all these running backs do and we're always surprised to see it happen, the guys who would replace them are all kind of sitting right behind them. You know what I mean? Like, as you were just like the Najee Harris, who's led the league in touches, but isn't really being anointed as the next guy. As you said, Craig, like Mixon, Saquon, Javante Williams. It's not hard to kind of pick out who would be next year's top five at running back. You could get those guys later this year. That was Jonathan Taylor last year. Jonathan Taylor exactly. was a second round pick yeah. last year. That's why Brees Hall, I think, is a fascinating one. Even though there's not a lot of excitement around him right now and he's on a bad team, blah, 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 all that stuff matters. But the running back position is just wild. I was doing my uh, my dynasty, uh, dynasty rankings last night and I have Brees Hall as the RB6. And I'm like, is this just completely insane for me to be doing this? But then when you look at like how short careers are, um, you know, his prospect profile, all this stuff, it, it all kind of adds up. And I think that's right in line with like average draft position right now in terms of dynasty startups. So, um, man, it's just the position just, it, it, you know, churns people out. And, and obviously there's so much, so many injuries, um, and so much turnover at, at the position. It's just kind of crazy. And at the core of it, I, I guess it look, cause I, I think the line I'm trying to draw here is I think Najee Harris could lead the league in touches again. Derek Henry, if he's healthy, obviously. Could will have would have might have more touches. What I'm saying is that I think I'm trying to bet this year more on the guys who are going to lead the league in touches, but are like 22 or 23. Yeah. And like I just fundamentally, you're betting against so much history and, and kind of asking guys to defy history for you. It just feels like fantasy hubris to me. So I don't have a problem with Austin Eckler. It's just he's a smaller dude at a brutal position, and it's something about it messes me up. I'm glad you brought up uh, Najee because people probably would have been like, oh, what? You're not okay with Derrick Henry getting 400 touches, but you are okay with Najee? That is the difference. I agree. He's been tackled 2,000 fewer times. That's yeah. basically, yeah. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. 
everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. This episode is brought to you by Hyundai. Think about all the stuff you can do now on Sundays after the Super Bowl's over. Adventurous activities. You need a Hyundai to get you there. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped for any adventure with features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive. You can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud or available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. I'm more in on Craig's first, second tattoo than the first one. <laughs> first round running backs will betray you. I'm kind of into that this year. We can expand on that idea. DK, what tattoos you... uh Guys, uh, I woke up, looked down. <laughs> my arm was like really sore, and I saw... On my arms. Tell me what this means. Drops are fake news? <laughs> was I like, th- this was during the Trump era, I think, that I got this tattooed. Because um, <laughs> I don't use the term fake news. But I kind of, I think I get what it's saying. And I think I understand why I tattooed this on myself. And the first person I thought of was Jamar Chase. <laughs> we were so worried last year about drops, preseason drops. He had three, didn't he have like four drops in a preseason game? <laughs> like It was it was like a four. practice narrative, and we were like, don't worry about it. And then he did it in a game. And we were like, well, no. and then he, he in yeah. that interview, he said that he doesn't like that the NFL ball doesn't have the white stripes on it. It's harder for him to track, and everybody lost their fucking yeah. minds. He did say that. So, but I think the lesson here that I'm try, I was trying to tell myself, old Danny was trying to tell future Danny, was just like, don't worry about drops. Like, that's just such a red herring. That's such a thing that will just kind of like, you're missing the forest for the trees here or whatever. It's like, you, you can't worry too much about that. In fact, if you look at the number of drops from players last year, obviously drop rate is one thing, but like some of the best players in the NFL, some of the best receivers in the NFL, like had a lot of drops. DK Metcalf has a lot of drops in his career. Tyreek Hill always has drops. Uh, Debo Samuel actually, I think led the NFL with drops last year. So it's just something that you have to keep in mind that like, it's not the most important thing when it comes to like a guy like Deontay Johnson, maybe that's like something to start paying attention to because he's actually going to get benched, which did happen. Um, but for the vast majority of instances, like it, you, you really shouldn't worry about it because it is something people talk about so much. Like, oh my God, stone hands, he drops the ball, blah, blah, blah. It's just something people get really worked up about. But I think the lesson I learned in particular with Jamar Chase last year was just try not to like get on that wave of emotion where like if a guy makes a bad play or two in the preseason, like all of a sudden they're going to be a total bust. You know what I mean? Is it about drops or is it about like preseason narratives that we clutch onto generally? Or are you specifically yeah. saying that I'll never like take, put stock in drops again? I think it's more the last, it's more whatever the, the preseason narratives thing that you have to like be careful about getting too attached to one narrative. Um, maybe there's one bad report about a guy. I remember last year there was one report um, that Jamar Chase wasn't separating in practice too. And that like tack that on to the drops issue. The, the football has stripes, doesn't have stripes on it and pros issue. Like all these things together. And everyone was like scared off by Chase, even though he was a, you know, generational prospect at receiver. Um, I think there's definitely things that do matter in the preseason, but the, the idea is you have to kind of like, you know, separate the, you know, the bad news, the fake news from the actual stuff that matters. 
what if all right hypothetically let's say there was this running back who is like in a like a top 10 guy last year and was in a really great position entering the new year and then probably showed up to training camp i don't know a donut <laughs> shy of 260 pounds yeah and we were all like, we have nothing to talk about because it's just baseball and Leonard Fournette. And we're like, uh-oh. But that, you know, what would you hypothetically say about should we downgrade that guy or no? Or ignore it? Not dramatically. I think ignore is the wrong word, but don't stress out. Of, don't stress out about it. Don't, like, completely take him off your board. Don't move him down a bunch. Because he's going to get, he's still going to get the volume. They did give him that contract. That contract's not going away. And he still has Tom Brady's. Uh, trust, which is like probably the most important variable of all. So this will be a good litmus test for this year. Is is what happens with, with Leonard Fournette right now? I'm not going to overreact. That's my that's like my pledge to you guys. This is the Jamar Chase situation of this preseason. I'm not going to overreact too much to to Leonard Fournette. If we get into like preseason week three and he still looks like he's 260 pounds and like the coaches are clearly upset with him, and there's been a steady steady drumbeat of basically like. He's not going to get very much playing time. Even Tom Brady's coming out and talking about him. That's where you start to react. But I'm not there yet. It's not happening yet. We almost need like a media like commandments of like, like what type of reports should you listen to and what should you not uh, in the off season? I was thinking the same thing because some things are just content. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> sure. Like some things are just like, I, like there's information, like signal in the noise, right? Like, like Roto World blurbs like that kind of react to... What some so what someone said that doesn't mean you necessarily have to you know like 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 anytime you hear a report that says running back who normally doesn't catch passes looking to catch more passes this year just avoid oh that God. you know what I mean yeah. that's looking never going to happen I I I, I, I think the most underrated part of the blurbs I, I I can't recommend highly enough and like everyone gets caught we we do too sometimes but I can't recommend enough when you can watch the video of a quote. Because like you'll be amazed when you're actually in a scrum and like I and I I know I've done like reporting occasionally on the beat and it's like if you're in a scrum and someone gets asked, Hey Tyree Kill, are you excited to play with two at Vilo this season? And he's like, Yeah, I'm excited to play with two this season. And then the blurb is Tyreek really excited to play with two. And it's like, well, he didn't say that. He just said yes. He yeah, was asked if you're excited, responded. and he said yes. What's he supposed to say? No. And then suddenly that's content. And it's just Leading the there's witness. A, there's a difference between, yeah, leading the witness. That's exactly what it is. And I think <laughs> like one third of the things you see in August are kind of leading questions to fill mm -hmm. in a pre-written story, which is nothing wrong with that. It's just like, you know, that's not necessarily helping our purposes. Yeah. Or if like a top 20 talent in the league, you read some blurb in like late July and it's like Keenan Allen having trouble separating in camp. It's like, just throw that in the trash. Just throw yeah. it in the trash. Oh, the guy's yeah. been good for seven years. Just throw it in the trash. Yeah, we we, we can expand on this later. It's, that's good. We could use a guide, yeah, to reading the news. To go for, to take it like one step further too, like the things that I actually do pay attention to in the preseason are, and, and again, this isn't actually 100%. Nothing is 100%. Nothing is going to give you like guaranteed results. But like generally speaking, tracking depth charts, who's running with the ones, who is projected yes. to get into the game. Like that's that stuff, the most, that stuff essential. matters. That, that's like, that's the opposite thing. Whereas words or talk is cheap. Who is getting the ball in practice? Like the, the number one, it's, it's like life. The number one limited resource in football practice is time. They don't have enough time to practice all the things you want to do. You'd actually be surprised. Like they are running a limited number of reps. And so let's just say they only run, I'm making up a number, hundred reps in a day. 
There was the old joke for the Colts, like they just gave Peyton Manning all 100 reps. No one else got to do because the whole all running joke was if Peyton Manning goes down, then we're fucked anyway. So who cares? <laughs> like, we don't so practice ra- fucked. Yeah. yeah, we don't practice fucked. We don't practice <laughs> not having Peyton Manning. And so like that's the actual quote. It's hilarious. But I think that when you're in running backs, it's like they're not just dicking around. Like, oh, we're going to give this practice squad running back some mm-hmm. reps with Tom Brady today because we liked how he, that's not how it works. They give the ball to the people they think they're going to play. And as you see through the course of August 1st to August 31st, who has get, gotten the ball more and more practice time with the starters and who gets it less is a very the really the biggest tell we have. And it's what very we should important. have. So yeah. with the Jamar Chase stuff, what we probably should have been like, well, did he get downgraded to the second team because of the drops? No, he did not. And we should have stopped. We, yeah, we really overanalyzed it. It's it's like he was going to always going to be in the games. You know, he's always going to get a ton of targets. I, I think that's like where we kind of just like let ourselves down a little bit um, by kind of letting all these stories get to us. I will say even the depth chart stuff like. It doesn't tell you everything because fucking Justin Jefferson was playing behind BC Johnson for like three games, his rookie season. And then he went on to have like one of the greatest rookie seasons of all time. So like even that isn't the most important thing, you know, it's such a good point because it's like you also have to remember there's like there's so much more. It's like an iceberg. There's so much more we don't know than we yeah. do know. And then even within the people who know more than us, there's still so much they don't know. Like, again, the Jefferson, it's also like the Justin Herbert thing. It's like the Chargers knew that Justin Herbert would be that good. They would have freaking played him. But they didn't know. It's like the Vikings would have played Justin Jefferson if they knew he was that good. But they didn't know. So So the lesson is, to to write it all out, like the steady drumbeat of news, depth chart stuff, things like that are important. It's it's important and it can give you, um, you know, like an idea of who's going to get a lot of playing time, all that stuff. Um, But it's it's not a science. It's more like an art form. And so there's no like real one way to do it. It's basically just like trying to synthesize all the news into one to, to to how you draft it's very difficult that's why like you there's so many misses every year in in, in fantasy what a perfect segue to guys like i i got a tattoo i woke up this morning and um <laughs> right all capital letters right across my chest it just says don't trust shanahan <laughs> <laughs> this might be tattooed on all of us i feel like i gotta check my body more i might have this somewhere i might have it more than one place I might so basically, like Craig's got the tramp stamp. Don't trust I, yeah. Shanny. <laughs> yeah, right, right on the, the Shan yeah, right stamp. On the lower back. Shanny with just the like a, like crossed out. <laughs> the Shan stamp. Oh my god! But so I mean, it's just Shanahan's just like an infuriating. Like we just never know what's up with the Niners. It's like I mean, a few years ago, like there was they drafted Dante Pettis in the second round as a receiver. He ended up being benched and all this stuff. Last year, it was like the, you know they had Brandon Ayuk. He missed time and they played Trent Sherfield. They drafted Trey Sermon to be their running back in the third round. He was a healthy scratch like half of the season. I mean, a healthy scratch (laughs) on a team where everybody was hurt. You know, and then there's just Shanahan's general decision-making, which sometimes bewildering. I mean, there was that story where he basically pushed and forced John Lynch to like draft this running back to Joe Williams. Joe Williams never made the team. And then obviously they traded up for the third pick in the draft. Did they want Mac Jones? Did they change their mind? Seems like real life and in fantasy, Kyle Shanahan, just hard to read with the personnel stuff. Yeah. But now we're ending this thing where is it a bit or not of like, is Shanahan actually unreliable or are we just kind of like forcing ourselves this? I've given this a lot of thought and I'm at the point where I think I figured it out, guys. Are you ready? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think Shanahan is actually that unreliable with the depth chart. Mm-hmm. It's that he's just in love with like fragile running backs. 
He likes the, the guys most always ones. get hurt. Like he's not just willy nilly pulling guys. It's his running backs always get hurt. But if you kind of look over the last five years, even by running back standards, the rate at which the Niners running backs have gotten hurt is so incredible. I either think it's something about the style of running they do, or really the profile of running back that the Niners look for. I, I something about it because if you just go back, I mean, this isn't reported. I, I, I'm really just trying to make sense of how really the last four seasons of the 49ers. It's stunning. I mean, last year by week two, five of their six running backs were hurt. Like they had to turn to like Trent Cannon by week two. December was the same thing. But like Raheem Mostert got hurt for the map. Not last year, but over the years, Raheem Mostert, Matt Breida. I mean, Jeff Wilson seems always banged up. I mm -hmm. mean, Tevin Coleman. There's something really about the style of running back they're looking for that it's almost like they're not really concerned if durability isn't a huge issue. And I look at Elijah Mitchell coming into the season. This is a guy who was good when he played, but as a rookie, shoulder issues, knee issues, concussion, and I'm, miss I'm missing one. He also, he also had a rib issue. And I'm like, that yeah. was your rookie year. And I'm like, I just kind of can't conceive of taking Elijah Mitchell in the top 50 picks with all this. I don't know. Am I crazy? No. I, I, it's true, and, and it's actually a why I think that Ty Davis Price, their third rounder from this year, is such an intriguing sleeper. It's because... They've just had so many issues with injuries. And by the way, the whole the whole time you were talking about that, Hive, is how everybody on this team got hurt. I was just thinking to myself, like, how the fuck did Trey Sermon not get into more games? Like, they were what what did what did he do? Shanahan knew he wouldn't get hurt, and so he's like, I can't play him because then he won't get hurt. I only he has a type. I want to say he dealt with injuries. He had a too. concussion. Yeah. So like, but he also was like a healthy scratch at right. various. I believe his first carry in the league was a concussion. Yeah, I think you're right, Craig. Or first or second. It was like very early on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was like at the end of a long run too. <laughs> so and then was, Shanahan was like, "Oh, nice. This guy gets hurt. Okay, cool. Now I'll play him." There. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, I was talking talking to a couple of people about Shanahan recently. It's just like I think the deal is obviously I have made it into like a bit like the Shanahan tree of of uh, coaching where he just basically like if he decides he doesn't like you, you're just not fucking seeing the field. Like that's kind of the deal. I think it, it re in reality it actually it's not that he doesn't like him necessarily. It's that he only has he only wants players that he trusts to do the right thing um, at the right time, like make the right reads, uh, go the right control. direction. It's yeah, about control. Well, it's the about Shannon running system, the offense that he wants to run. Yeah, the it's Shannon like his offense. system. Joe Thomas described it as it turns you into a computer. Everything's a zero or a one, and you don't think, and you just do what shit you do. Any coach doing every single point. But if you're not looking at the offense like a zero or one and doing everything that's been predetermined for you, you are not doing. You're not going to play. Yeah, and I mean, when, specifically when it comes to running back, like I, I remember watching Alex Gibbs, you know, coaching uh, sessions or whatever clinics from way back in the day, and he's very much like, we can turn anybody into a thousand yard rusher if you just take your cues and and read your like read the blocking correctly and do exactly what you're supposed to do based on where the defender is, based on like, you know, if the blocker in front of you gets his head in front of the whatever, like all this like technical stuff. So if you're not doing that shit, like they're just not going to play you because they think, oh, well, we'll just have someone else that will actually do it, where run where he's supposed to run. It's like, if they find guys that can do that, like then they're just happy. They can turn that guy into a thousand yard rusher. And if you look at the history of like, you know, the Shanahan family, his dad turned all these random guys into thousand yard rushers. And so, um, and then like Tom Cape, like all the people that kind of came from that tree, uh, and have been running this outside zone thing, like they can turn all these random, like late round picks, undrafted guys into big producers um, simply because they find guys that are, like you said, Hive, it's like the binary thing. They'll just like, okay, this guy's 
you know, overplayed the, the on defense. So I'm just going to cut it back up field and get five yards and then just keep doing that like 30, 30 times, 20, 20, 30 times a game. And all of a sudden you're just, you know, picking up yards after yards after yards. So, um, Long story short is like Shanahan, I like to make fun of it. It's funny. Like he just hates guys or whatever. But in, in reality, it's he just wants guys that are going to run, like be very disciplined in the system that they run. And so maybe Trey Sermon just is never going to be that guy and he's never going to see the field because he just can't run that offense. The, the Niners are the only team where I think every single running back on the roster might be worth drafting. They have five. <laughs> right, right. They have Elijah Mitchell, Jeff Wilson Jr., Davis Price, Trey Sermon, and Jamichael Hasty. Like, Oh, I guess they have one more here. Uh, Mason Jordan. Uh, sorry, Jordan Mason. Yeah, and by the way, he's gotten some uh, hype during training camp. It's like, of course he has. Uh, but yeah, it's like, uh, keep your free agent auction money ready because the second one of these guys goes down, the second the starter goes down, it's anyone's guess which one is going to step up and Tyrion Davis-Price could be the Elijah Mitchell of this year. You know what else is very interesting about the 49ers run game? If you want to get kind of nerdy about it is... Now with Trey Lance at quarterback, uh, they're going to be running more like of the read option style stuff that we've seen. You know, like obviously RG three ran it in, in, in Shannon's offense a couple of years ago. Um, like so Russell you're going to say they need a different career. style of running back. Maybe, maybe like more of a downhill guy. You know, obviously in, in the read option game, like maybe someone that just has a better feel for that. We don't know for sure if it's going to be Elijah Mitchell or not. So well, I just so think Tyrion that, Davis Price is much bigger than Elijah Mitchell. Yeah, Tyrion Davis Price could get all the red zone stuff, like all the goal line stuff. Um, so I think he's very interesting, but overall, like it's very difficult to parcel what's going to happen with the 49ers uh, run game just because uh, at the end of the day, we're sort of you know beholden to the whims of, of Kyle Shannon. More accurately, like we're relying on these guys to execute really d- in a disciplined way, snap in, snap out, and, and that's how they're going to get playing time. We know Elijah Mitchell can do that, but pretty injury prone. So this yeah. tattoo needs to be amended, right? It needs to be crossed out and like it, be wary of Shanahan. What should it say? Not weary. Don't, wary. Yes. Yeah. Don't trust <laughs> Shanahan asterisk because while he's an incredibly gifted offensive mind, he has like, deep control <laughs> issues and that you, he might just really like uh, injury prone players. So you should probably just go for the more value based guys later in your draft. This is like a it's full like a back little, piece. That's yeah. like Ben Affleck's giant back tattoo. Yeah. yeah like Kevin Durant's giant Bible verse in his back where there's a bunch of typos. One of them. Yeah. Maybe we can just turn it into like the Aaron Rodgers tattoo where it's just a bunch of symbols, but you're supposed to interpret it into like a paragraph. Like you just said, if it's yeah, it's that would be good. Can we get Tatum to like put together a tattoo that says what you said, but it just in in like astrology symbols. What's Kyle Shanahan's horoscope? Kyle Shanahan's (laughs) horoscope. It is, let's see here. Sagittarius. Oh, like, like Rogers. Everything keeps coming up Sagittarius. Impulsive. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so he, Shannon just stopped playing guys with paper bones. Any other tattoos here? Guys, I just have a giant list of players' names that are crossed off. I'm going to read you the names. Interesting. All these names okay. are crossed off. Taysom Hill, Tyler Higby. Evan Ingram, Jack Doyle, Tyler Eifert, Irv Smith. As you're going along, it doesn't look like these tattoos were made at the same time. Like I was, I was clearly adding on names. The ink is faded as you go down. Yeah. Yeah. So, what does this mean? What's what's the connective tissue here? What what are these guys? Tell me. You tell me. Well, each each one of these guys in their own respective uh, seasons kind of seem like the the low end tight end that you you loved and thought would break out, but ultimately burned you. 
<laughs> so I'm telling myself. So why is the Craig, why is the Tyler stop. Higby tattoo clearly been redone? <laughs> stop taking shitty tight ends. I think is what I'm trying to tell myself. <laughs> stop. No. Ha- stop taking late tight ends. It's it's not your year. You're you're not the one who figured out which tight end is going to be the next Travis Kelsey. It's just it's not worth it. But when do you take a tight end then? Right at the top. Earlier. <laughs> yeah. Just stop fucking around with these late. Stop try, Stop trying to predict the tight end sleeper that's going to break out because like, you've got a better chance of doing almost anything in fantasy. I get what you're saying, but Cole Komet this year <laughs> Good Lord. is the tight end sleeper. So like, But I figured it out for this year. I've already sent the art to my uh, tattoo artist and telling him how to correctly spell Komet because <laughs> I'm guaranteeing you I'm going to be adding this fucking tattoo to my body later on. Uh, because we're going to be very disappointed. It's the thing is like even some of these guys. Uh, and I was looking at last year that um, after the top six picks. So basically, um, you know, like I would say, like the the players that I'm actually interested, in, the tight ends I'm actually interested in drafting this year. Hold on, let me pull up the list because it's not a very long list for tight Travis ends. Kelsey, Mark. Yeah. Sorry, did I say tight ends? I want tight ends. Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts, Waller, Kittle, Hawkinson. Like, is there anybody else after that? I'm not even sold on Hawkinson. I would yeah, stop at like, five. That's like even pushing it a bit. Um, so I looked at last year, like the 80 for guys that were taken seven through beyond. You got Logan Thomas. He was a sixth, seventh rounder. Uh, he played in five games. Noah Fant. I mean, he was fine. He didn't like, he's not going to, he didn't win anybody in any, league, in any leagues. Noah Fant. Robert Tanyan, who scored, I think, like 10 plus touchdowns a couple of years ago, came in. He was an eighth round pick. Disappeared. He average he averaged six point three game points per game in eight games. But isn't this an argument to take tight ends later? No, I'm telling you not to do this. <laughs> these like, are these bad. Are, these are but some of the guys saying, that we thought were going to be. Sleepers you want six last points year. a game out of time? You're saying that- eighth rounder, but like all these guys are going later. So I guess what I'm saying early tight ends are bad. Middle tight ends are bad. When do you take a tight end? Who do you, where do you do this? I didn't say early tight ends are bad. Early tight ends are good. What the hell are you talking about here? We, we want to take Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews yeah. and Kyle Pitts. So you're trying to, well, that's what I'm saying. Let's say you don't get Kelsey or Andrews. Are you saying you should take Kyle Pitts and like, w- w- like, Yes. We're going to reach for one of them? He's saying there's a tier, a top tier of five. And if you don't get one of those, you're screwed. Because none of the other ones work out, ever. I feel like the mid-round <laughs> guys also up. screw you, though. Well, yeah, but it's, I guess, do you consider Darren Waller and George Kittle middle-round guys? I don't. Yeah, no. they, 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 Darren Waller was the number one guy in his team, and his, that was Devontae Adams, and is very much not the number one guy in his team. Yeah, but he's firmly the number two guy in his team. I mean, George Kittle, you could argue, is not the number one on his team. When was the last time you took a tight end like 55th and were like, yeah, that was a great idea? I literally can't remember it happening ever. Yeah, but I do think the tier one of tight ends is weirdly deeper than it's ever been because I think of the emergence of Pitts. Like it's always kind of been Kelsey, Andrews, Kittle, and Waller, right? Like it was four last year. We're just adding one more. So Heifetz loves Cole Komet this year. This is going to end well. well. Craig, do you have like a favorite late round tight end that you, you know, obviously if you miss out early on on the top five guys, who are you looking at here? It's going to be really tough for me to tattoo Albert O's last name on my body. <laughs> yeah. So I might just go with the letter O. And if you want to go even deeper, I think, you know, Gerald Everett, Cameron Brait, Evan Ingram. I can't draft any of those. Why Evan Ingram? Can you stop saying, is this a bit? I think you're a Giants fan. You're t- you're not, at, you have no ability to be unbiased in this. Here's what happened. You know, we've we've talked about anchoring for years, right? I, I drafted Evan Ingram, I think his rookie season. Well, I think he had actually like a decent year. And I watched like three Giants games. And in all those Giants games, he was pretty good. And he was like super fast, looked athletic. And I've never forgotten about that. 
Honestly, we need an asterisk for DK's tattoo that says drops don't matter. Asterisk, except for Evan Engram, who <laughs> always drops the ball on third down and the freaking game where Daniel Jones did the run and fell on his face. They would have won that freaking game if he had capped the ball. I, Oh, my God. Yeah. What did I just say? He's He can't be unbiased on this one. Um, I think the, the big thing here to keep in mind, like to give you something a little more concrete to focus on, the... The one thing that connects like the best tight ends in fantasy football is they're either the first or second option in their offense. Travis Kelsey, by far the number one offense, or sorry, the number one option in this offense now with Tyreek Hill gone. Mark Andrews, you could argue he's the tight, like he's the top ca- pass catcher in this offense now, especially with Marquise Brown gone. Kyle Pitts, best, like he's probably their best player, period. Uh, George Kittle, I think there's a little gray area there, obviously. One A, one B. Debo and Ayuk now, like maybe he actually ends up being the number three option, but I think he's, I think he's still the number two um, behind Debo, and then Waller, who is going to be the number two in theory behind Devonte Adams. Although th- again, this is maybe not in concrete as, as concrete as it looked in the past. Cole Komet catching passes, Justin Fields this offseason, number two in the offense. If I got to hear Irv Smith's name one more time, I've been hearing Irv Smith for the last three years. Just tattoo already. I'm going to get the tattoo tomorrow of Irv Smith. If, it's, if Cole Komet does pan out, it is because he is the number two option in this passing game. So I'll give you that. Cole this is why I'm not Komet, excited baby. about a guy like Pat Fryermuth. He's like yeah. the fourth option in that offense, maybe. Mike Gusecki, like he's, my, he's probably going to be playing like 30% of their snaps. <sighs> it's just tough to get excited about any of these guys. Even Dallas Goddard now is the clear number three behind A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, right? Yeah, and a team that doesn't even throw the ball that much. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's just all of these guys are so uh, depressing to me. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Don't stream tight ends, but also don't take one early and don't take one in the middle. So well, I don't know why you keep saying don't keep, take one we, early. No one is saying don't take one early. Well, where we are you getting that, that from? You're putting well, words in our mouth. When did we say don't take Mark Andrews? <laughs> well, we're I'm just curious. All right. For, we're saying early explicitly to take one early. What's an early tight end? The top, top five. Whenever where do you have 80- Kelsey ranked, DK? That's what I'm trying to say. Where do you have Kelsey? I think I've got Kelsey in the first round. Let me see. 16 for me. I've got him at uh, 10. Just fucking get it over with. DK at 10, that works. I don't think Craig's going to get Kelsey at 16. That's kind of what I'm trying to say here. Okay, well, I'll take any of the top five. If I can get any of those five, I'll be happy. Okay. Just check it in. (laughs) Where do you have him ranked? Well, I'm going to move them up at our next round. It's probably 13. Ironically, yeah, probably. I think I'm like we were talking about James Conner in the last episode. I was, real quick, there, pop quiz: James Conner or Travis Kelsey? Travis Kelsey. Kelsey. Yeah, I've got the top five. I've got all the top five tight ends in the top fifty for me. Kelsey or Leonard Fournette? Kelsey. Kelsey. Kelsey or Devonte Adams? I have him right above one spot. Kelsey. Um, I'm just double checking my ranks here. Yeah, I got Kelsey higher. Okay. I think Kelsey's Kelsey's like such a good pick this year. I know Craig, you've talked about this a million times in the past, but like he is the clear cut number one in that offense now. He's like the Derrick Henry of tight ends where yeah, every year yeah. I'm like, man, I don't know. Is this the year he finally slows down? I don't think so. I feel the same way about Henry too, by the way. Yeah, because Travis Kelsey gets tackled like what, six times a game? Derrick Henry, 37. <laughs> 30. <laughs> yeah. It's a good stat. Is he getting tackled or is he just running into people? There's a difference. He's the he's the hammer. All this like advanced stats, and honestly, the only one I really want for fantasy is how many times were you tackled? Not running out of bounds, 
That's great question. How many tackles? Tackles. Yeah, Travis Kelsey could catch seven balls. Three of them he scooted out of bounds. Another one's a touchdown. So he got tackled three times. Well, that's like they track quarterback hits. Like how many times a quarterback gets hit. Right. Imagine the times, the amount of times Henry gets hit because he's also probably taking multiple hits in one run. <laughs> Average <of> three hits <laughs> per carry. He's taking like 70 hits a game. <laughs> Amazing. All right. You guys want to do a couple emails? Yeah. Let's okay. do it. Email from Braden. I can't believe you guys Braden. almost went through your Braden. Braden, yeah. I can't believe you guys almost went through your entire episode yeah. of how to draft boring players without talking about how many of them had boring names. Boring na- boringly named players coming at a value is a core tenet of your podcast philosophy. It is. It really is. Yeah. It's why we called him Mike Funk Davis. We want to spice yeah. up the name. <laughs> David Montgomery is a pretty boring name. James Connor. I did bring it up that several of the guys had two first names, which, by the way, I'm aware I have two first names, too. Um, <laughs> but it's just, like, kind of boring. It's like Tom Brady is a boring name. Two first names. Tim People Patrick. With two first names. It just sounds boring. Yeah, Tim no, Patrick exciting. is It doesn't roll off boring. the tongue. Tim, if, if Tim Patrick's name was Equinemius St. Brown. Yeah, yeah. Sky Moore. Yeah, if Tim Patrick's name is Sky Moore, everyone would be like, that Russell Wilson-Sky Moore connection. I'd love to like talk to somebody inside the NFL and be like, hey, do you think if Tim Patrick's name was Sky Moore, people would think he'd better? I wonder what they'd say. Oh, 100%. You think? You think like a GM would be like, absolutely, I have name bias. I'll see if I can ask. I'll see if I'll, I'll, I'll see if I can ask the people at the Broncos this. Yeah, you should. We'll investigate. All right, another email. This is an amazing email from Billy. Just to Billy. Billy. Long time listener. I can't say for certain you have helped my fantasy team's performance over the years, but you provided great right. entertainment. Thank you, Billy. It's <laughs> the kind of endorsement we love. I mean, I'll take it. I cannot believe you have not mentioned that the hit 2021 song, Big Energy by Lotto, samples our anthem, Genius of Love by Tom Tom Club. What's what? more, it, it was remixed by the frequently mentioned Mariah Carey. This is true. And ironically, I have been listening to Big Energy for like a month. It is on my summer playlist. Oh, yeah. It's been all over TikTok. It's everywhere. And I did not notice this. But yeah, I think, (laughs) well, didn't we choose Tom Tom Club? Because Tom Tom Club is sampled in fantasy. Yeah. And so Big Energy samples fantasy. And then Mariah Carey came on the remix. Mariah, we're right here. You know so what I mean? now we just got to get to Lotto. <laughs> just Lotto, go one step I, further, Mariah, or Lotto. I don't even want to call her right? yeah, we got, Do we have a Lotto connect? Might be Lotto. Someone out there has got to know Lotto. Let me hit up Daniel Egg. All right. Let's just say, we work at, we should be able to figure this out. Like The number one music streaming platform in the world. Speaking of, by the way, this reminds me, uh, someone else emailed, this is a very similar email. They couldn't believe, we were talking the other day about Accusure. Accusure. Accresure field, and I was asking Accresure. I'm not sure. I don't want to know. I wanted Craig to explain to me how advertising works, and then they were like, "You idiots! Spotify literally just bought the naming rights to FC for Barcelona. FC Barcelona, like one of the biggest <laughs> soccer teams in the world." Uh, we didn't mention that. Yes, but your point kind of maybe persists. You were like, only like corporations can use Accresure, Accresure. Like right. anybody can be like, "Oh, what's Spotify? Download it." Pay the I monthly should, fee. I should get that. That's like something the everyday fan that's watching a game is going to be like, oh, Spotify. I should go get that. I was going to ask you this question. What's like, do you think we could get the naming rights to a field of some kind? Like, I feel like, you know, independently baseball. Our show? The Ringer Fantasy Football Show. 
Yes. Like what is like what Absolutely. kind of league could we afford? Like, you know, obviously triple A baseball, that's too big. Oh, I was gonna say, could we buy out like a little league field? I was yeah. literally wondering the same thing. Could we sponsor like just like a football? municipal park? Yeah, but those are owned yeah. by the city. That's the problem. But we're giving but we're we're paying them, aren't aren't we? Yes. You're buying the rights. You donate you donate money to get stuff named after you. That's how oh, this yeah, I world guess that, works. Basically, yeah. if some local public field is named after a very nice man who worked his entire life to like make that field like a public land and built this whole Little League baseball field, we would like to rename it after us instead in exchange <laughs> for money. Yeah, like my high school football field was like named after some guy because I think he donated it, donated a bunch of money to build it, stuff like that. We won't donate anything. I, got, but- I want to go one up on you guys here. Do the Charlie Munger route. We should donate a bunch of money to a, a municipal, to a city, so we can design a field with no windows. You think we got that kind of capital? Do you guys remember this story? <laughs> Do you remember you this, love story? this story? Charlie Munger designed a, a building with no windows, and they're like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> this building sucks. He's an artist. <laughs> He was going for something. The least like useful field to for little league field in the world. Yeah, it's just a maybe just like make it very field. dangerous. It's a giant fire hazard. I don't know. Well, it's funny because his book is one of like the most widely cited books among like CEOs in the entire world. We'll look into Monday. it. So, how many windows do we want? <laughs> in our building? Just three. I just the, think the kids the minimum, get too much sunlight. The minimum these allowed days. by law. Yeah. The kids get too much sunlight. Yeah, they're always out. All the kids these days are always running around outside. I know. It's unbelievable. They can't get enough of it. Playing <laughs> wiffle ball in the streets. <laughs> Playing hopscotch. When's the last time you think a kid willingly played hopscotch? That, um, no, that happens. <laughs> I think marbles. Marbles is done. But Yeah, no one I, plays marbles. Hopscotch, that happens. You think there's like an eight-year-old goes outside with, with some chalk? Does the squares and plays hopscotch? Yeah, like they, yeah. Yeah, they could, could give them the bucket of chalk because they don't want them on their phone. Yeah, re- yeah chalk drawing absolutely. on sidewalks is still a thing. That's still I think a hopscotch thing. is still around. I don't know about that. Marbles is done though. Jump rope. Listen, that's if, marbles if you're is in done, daycare and they take the here. phones away from you, but if you're at home on a Saturday with your parents and you got iPads and PS5s inside, I don't know any <laughs> no eight-year-old that's doing hopscotch. Maybe they're doing like the Wii hopscotch. <laughs> yeah, probably Wii hopscotch. Um, I bet by the end of the year, hopscotch will be like a TikTok genre. What was your guys' uh, like elementary, middle school recess game? Like in in my day, it was what I called square ball, but a lot of people know as four square. Or oh, yeah. there's, there's another name for it, I think, too. Well, the, uh, the name has since been canceled. We played wall ball, which, oh, yeah. I mean, back in the day we called suicide. I have no idea why. We were in fourth grade. We didn't know what that word meant. But wall ball, which was one. You know, throw it above the line. That. It's amazing. Yeah, we played both those wall balls. Do you guys play square. butts up? Is that the same thing as wall ball? I don't know what you guys were doing in the nineties. Butts but no. up is if you lose, you like have to stand on the wall, like point your butt at them, and you can then they can throw the ball at your ass. Yes. Oh, and they peg. Uh, yes. Oh wow. <laughs> I have played that. It's actually kind no. of fun. What is the other name for Foursquare? I know that there's another name for it. I know. Oh, I know. Hold on, I'm yeah. looking this up. I know what you're talking about. Some I, the, the internet's telling me it could also be called box ball, but I've never heard that. Box ball? No, that's yeah, four, not. Foursquare was great. Dude, that was the Foursquare shark. At recess. Oh, what about was it handball? That's not the name. That's not what I'm thinking of. No, no, handball is a different game. But I, we used to call Foursquare handball as well. I think. I don't know I if don't that was that. That sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah, right. Handball. We should play butts up. That sounds fun. I want to go play. Butts Remember, up. you got to rename this, man. <laughs> <laughs> 
You can't go to kids in 2022 and be like, kids, you <laughs> hey, want to play butts play up? Butts up? Yeah, that's, you can't. That's, that's, that's yeah, your life kids, to, I think uh, kids would love get that. Banned from, from being around kids. Seven-year-olds, though, yeah. amongst themselves, I'm sure we get a rise out of, the, out of the word butts up. Oh, yeah. They think it's hilarious. We just can't be there. Yeah. No. But they can play it amongst themselves. But we're renaming the field so we can do whatever we want. Butts up field. <laughs> What's up, Fields? I was looking to do for our uh, podcast key score. Uh, you know, bad SEO. All right, we should probably go. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, DK. Thank you to anyone who emails us at realfantasyfootballgmail.com with thoughts on what we should rename a field, a team. Any, we'll, we'll do anything. We're open ideas. Emails at realfantasyfootballgmail.com. We also need money. Send money. Yes, yeah, yeah, we're gonna need great. money we for this money. venture. We're yes. gonna start selling out and just attaching our Venmos to the pod descriptions, like everybody else does in this <laughs> stupid media world. We're, we're selling Ringer Fantasy Football Show bonds, but we're never gonna pay them back. Sorry. So just give us. Don't cash. say that part, TK. Sorry. Sorry. Goodbye, everyone. Oh no! Thank you, Lauren. Lauren. Thank you, Lotto. Yeah, Lotto. I was gonna be so mad if you didn't thank Lotto. Big nice. energy. Big energy on this episode. Pod's got big energy. Big pod energy. Alright, goodbye. <laughs>